Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. We've been talking about this kingdom story. And I encourage you to keep, if you've missed some, go back and listen. Especially if you missed last week, Tim did an amazing job of talking about the coming kingdom. And, and uh, you know, the kingdom story is all the way through, from Genesis all the way through Revelations, you see the kingdom breaking in, God's coming to his people, doing these things that are way above anything that anything could happen, any human could do. And we see the prophecy of the kingdom all the way through the Old Testament, the longing for this kingdom that would come, that would be eternal, that the Messiah would come. And then we see in the New Testament, as soon as you get to Matthew, you just see the, the kingdom everywhere. Because when Jesus comes on the scene, he is in the line of David, the city of David, and prophesied, and he's announced that the good news has come with great joy, that he is Christ the Lord. He has people who have been longing to see the king who is there uh, in the temple. And then we see Jesus as he stands up and comes before the people and reads out of Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is on me and I've come to bring the good news and to, and to deliver the captive. And just been, it just starts. And then what we see all the way through the, all the Gospels, when we look at Jesus' life, we just see the kingdom coming in this crazy way. The power and the presence that Jesus is under the rule of reign of his Father. And they begin, the kingdom starts coming, and people are healed, people are delivered, people have the revelation of Jesus. They, come, they feel like his presence, his love, and they're, they're, they're joining in. And so this is all going in, you know, Derek Morphy is a theologian we use a lot for this in South Africa that has just devoted his life to study the kingdom of God. And so one thing he talks about, he talks about this, is these stages within the kingdom that we see in the New Testament. And some of the primary stages are this place, this birth, and this place that he proclaims who he is, and then this place of him doing the, the stuff. But he also talks about this place of, of transition is when he has lived this perfect life and he has taken on and shown who, the, who God is and taken on the sin onto himself and he has died in our place and he has defeated the power of death and sin and he says on the cross, it is finished. Right? And the curtain in the temple is torn from top to bottom signifying the place of the, the, the presence of God. Now we have access to Jesus the king, in a way we didn't before. And then we see the other part is where Jesus, after he ascends, just like he prophesied in Joel, the Holy Spirit descends and the kingdom comes and fills people with the Holy Spirit. And then what we see is this thing of the kingdom, and it starts multiplying. The kingdom of God, these people come under the rule and the reign of, of Jesus, and it starts out with 120 then it moves to 3,000, 5,000, it just keeps going, goes to all nations, all tribes, goes clear up to Kansas, that's where I was at, and over all these years, and then I say yes to Jesus, and guess what? I step in and become part of the kingdom of God. I, and I, now, now, it's interesting, because I did that, and I, was, I experienced it, but the tradition I, I was in, uh, I really am grateful, but they didn't talk about the kingdom of God. They, what I understood was, I don't have to worry about dying because God's going, I'm going to have to go to heaven. And that was nice. I liked that. I didn't want to be separated from God. And so I was very grateful. But this thing was, is I, when I heard the kingdom of God, I still thought in heaven, 
later, we'll figure that out, right? And uh, I didn't think of it being now. So I think the kingdom of God is, you know, and so I didn't understand that. And so I just would, I don't know what I did exactly. I thought, well, I don't want to give myself over to the sin I was under before, so I'll stay out of that and I'll live the best I know how, and I kind of will wait around and hopefully do some good things and be good, and then I'll go to heaven, you know? And so I kind of lived that way, and I, it, my, my life was better. I kind of had this idea that surely that if I, you know, sin less, I will have no problems, you know? And, uh, but I still had some problems as I was sinning less, and it was, you know, I was, I was doing all these things. And so I, I look back, and what happened is Debbie and I, when we were first married, we changed a church, and the church we went to had more a belief that, you know, God could still move through us. They didn't quite use the terminology of the kingdom of God quite that way, but that was new. And I believe that theologically. And so that started changing some things. I started recognizing things. And one of the big things that happened was, and many of I've told this story before, but Debbie, I'm married to my sweet young bride, and she has nightmares that like about knock me out because she's thrashing in the bed. I got a dodger, you know, and I, can't, I got to get her out of this horrible nightmare, and she comes out of it with blood-curdling scream, shaking, and we had to kind of calm her down. And it, I was just like, what have I gotten into? <laughs> and uh, she's had these since she was 15 years old, and uh, managed them. And, but we kept running across this, and we just got to a point thinking, maybe we should tell them to stop. <laughs> If, if God's with us, so we started telling them to stop, and we didn't know exactly how to say this. We said, in Jesus' name, stop, and we tried things. But in that process, we felt God's presence and power, and it was so cool. And she got completely free of night terror. She's never had that similar dream she always had. She's never had it since. And it just changed everything in her sleep. So I thought, wow. This is good. Now, I didn't have this terminology, but like, the kingdom comes. The kingdom is here. It's near. It's right there. It's, it's right in the bedroom when you need to pray for your wife who's trying to get her out of a bad spot, right? It's, it's, it's when I go to work. It's, it's everywhere. So, man, I started, we started praying more. We started praying for people more, and things would start happening, and we thought, this is great. And then, but we had this other thing is, Sometimes we prayed and nothing happened. Now, I know none of you have had that happen to you, right? I mean, nothing happened. And sometimes it seemed like it went the other direction, you know? And like, okay, I didn't have pockets to put that anywhere. I thought, okay, well, I'll get some more faith later, I guess. Or I'll read a book or something. I'll, something's going to happen. I'll mature into this. But it kept happening. You know, some, it'd come, and, and other times it wouldn't. And, but, you know... We did all right. But then we got to a place where we were trying to have kids, and we prayed, and we couldn't have kids. And we went for years and years, and couldn't have kids. We prayed, and we got prayed for. We were everything coming at it. Couldn't have kids. And it just hit us in this spot. We're like, what? It seems like something God would want. Like, you know? And we said, well, we're going to adopt. That's God's leading us to adoption. It went worse. I mean, it started just going sideways. Right about that time, we had a gal in our church who I think she had 
I'm not sure, I think she had three children, small children, I can't remember if it was two or three, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, she uh, had leukemia. Really cool family. This gal was just fun to be around, a great gal. And, but she really believed God was going to heal her. And we did too. And we, we went all in, man. We prayed for God to come and heal her. I mean, we're talking about intensely. We were, we were all in, man. We put it all on the line. Did she get better? Did she get a little worse? Did she get better? Did she get a little worse? And it got to a point that she kept getting worse. She knew she wasn't going to make it. So I remember I was visiting her in the hospital. And uh, I wasn't expecting this, but her kids were there. And she was not doing well or looking good. And she was blind. And she said, David, would you bring the kids over? And they sat on the bed, and I kind of scooted back. And she looked at her, she, didn't, she looked and felt her faith, the faith of her kids. She'd barely see her. And say, she said, Mommy, I know she told you that she really believed that God was going to heal her. I'm not thinking that was going to happen now. But what I want you to know I know it's confusing, but mommy loves Jesus and Jesus is good and always loved Jesus. He's always good, but it's confusing, I know. And I thought, man, pretty young. I really hadn't been in that kind of a raw, painful situation. You know, I thought, it is confusing. I just, what's the deal here? Right? Now those, are, those are big examples of God coming powerfully. But isn't this our experience? If we get honest, if we go through life, and um, I, know, I know I've never said this before, Emily, Petter, Emily McCall, but it's, it's cold in here. <laughs> I'm like up here, like, I need a coat. I always like it cold, so you guys know that. So when I say it's cold, I'm guessing you guys are freezing. So, all right. So, thank you. Oh, some of you, some of you have been praying for that. See, the kingdom broke in right there. Just tell David, turn down the turn, 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 turn. All right. So, you know, you get to those kind of points and you think, wow, this is hard. Like, what's the deal? Is the kingdom here or is it not here? I mean, you can take it on a smaller scale. Have you guys had this experience? You're in church or you're experiencing God's own presence, and you're just like, oh my, I, you see clearly. <laughs> like, oh man, you can see clearly. You sense God, you see God's presence, you feel his presence, you, you have hope for everything. And then an hour later, you're arguing with your spouse, right? Like, what happened there? Or, or something takes a quick turn and you're just, you're, you're feeling accusation coming at you or, or you feel like the circumstances turned the other direction, right? And you're not there at all anymore, right? And so, you know, we're going to talk today about kind of why that is. And it's not hidden in Scripture. It's very clear. But sometimes we have a way of thinking that we haven't really put according to what Jesus is teaching. And so we're going to talk today about this place of the kingdom between two ages. You know, 
Last week, Tim talked about the AIDS to come. Okay? And so, Derek Morphew says the New Testament can be summarized in four statements. The kingdom, and Tim talked about this a little bit, the kingdom will come, the kingdom has come, the kingdom is coming immediately, the kingdom will be delayed. Now, it wasn't a misprint, or he didn't forget what he talked about. He talks all the way through, it's very clear, and so you're thinking, I don't understand. You know, which is it? It is that. The kingdom is those things. And I, and I think, you know, last week we talked about the age to come, and there is a life that I look forward to in the age to come, especially the older I get, and it talks about what's going to happen when this life is done for us who believe. And when Jesus returns, it says, and it's describing this in Revelations of the kingdom coming in full, it says, and the seventh angel sounded trumpet, and there was loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. It talks about later revelations about what it will be like. And I heard a sound, a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And in that spot, we have to realize that there's this place we've talked about. What is the kingdom of God? It's the rule and reign of God in our life. And what we're seeing in the kingdom to come, there's this thing that happens. All the kingdom, the things that are in conflict, are coming under the authority of Jesus, and those kingdoms become his kingdom. And in that spot, sin is dealt with and pain is dealt with. And there'll be a place in which that we have absolute connection to Jesus without all the interference. And we have this place where we can experience the love and the presence of Jesus, and we can actually have no more pain. You guys could feel that, couldn't you, some of you? Like, I long for that right now, where all the tears are wiped away, where I'm not in that pain. Now, you know, the thing about this, though, is that we are not in this age, but we kind of are. We'll explain it later. We're in what the, I would call this present age. So how do we live in this present age? Well, we live, as we've talked about in the series, we live as citizens of the kingdom. And the way we describe that, I think, is great in a very familiar verse in First Peter, and we'll you can use it. We'll be on this verse the whole time, so if you want to turn there, you can to keep because we'll go a little further on it. it says, but if, but you are the chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of Him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, 
but now you have received mercy. This is who we are. And as it ta- uh, Paul talks about in Philippians, is that we are the citizens of heaven. But here's what it says. It also, Jesus also, when he explains this, says, yeah, you're a citizen of heaven, but by the way, this kingdom you're in right now on this earth, he told Pilate right away, this is not mine. But you're in it, but it's not his. In fact, it's ruled by this other power, the prince of power of the air, and, it, and, and, and people are trying, he, that prince is trying to get you to come under that authority, right? And so what we have, can, have to understand is this last part. When Jesus was preparing his disciples, the place that he knows they're going to be empowered with the kingdom of God, they were going to, they, you know, he explained the kingdom of God. He explained, he goes, by the way, you need to understand this <laughs> as I leave you. In this world, you will have trouble. Good news, though? Take heart, I've overcome the world. It is good to know that Jesus said that. So when you have trouble, you don't go, something has really gone wrong. <laughs> Jesus promised that. And so, but in this present age, we have two kingdoms. Right now, we have two kingdoms that are at the same time. We have the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And so, just to give you a snapshot of what, we, what the tension is between these two kingdoms that we are living in right now, and I know we can't see them, but they're happening right now. And if you just get honest and look around and watch the world and pay attention to what's going on, you can be pretty clear that these tensions are happening right now, everywhere in the world, with every human being. And you can see the kingdom of God, which will be listed on the right, has this characteristics of Jesus' righteousness making it just and, and compared to sin which leads to death and you can look down the line there and you can just look at the contrast that's happening there the difference between the two kingdoms but we are actually experiencing both kingdoms because we are living in this present age and then the future age we're also a part of and we're experiencing that as well the kingdom of god now you know I think the, the thing I'd say in this is that the, the best way, and most of, many of you have been around a church, you probably have seen this, is that this is a helpful chart for a theological truth that it's a little hard to get your mind around a little bit. Because, but this talks about, if you look at that bottom section, that's this present age, and then the age to come is that top line. And what you see is in this present age, you see the consequences of a fallen world under, under, the, under sin and that kingdom. And you watch that go along, and then Christ comes in. And the moment that Christ shows up, the kingdom of God, he says what? The kingdom of God is here. And he brings the kingdom. And it's through his death and resurrection and, and ascension the kingdom of God, he, arrived, he overcomes death. We're now welcomed into the kingdom. All the barriers are busted loose, so now we have, we're, a, we're a family. We are a child. We are a citizen. We're his beloved. We're a part of him. The Holy Spirit's within us. All those things that are done through Christ, we now have had, we have right now. And so Christ, the, the kingdom has begun. See, when I grew up, I thought, as soon as I die, 
the kingdom has begun. The kingdom has begun now. The kingdom is operating right now. The kingdom of God is happening, right? And so we're in this present age that has begun, and this is what we call the already but not yet of the kingdom. It has come, and it is coming. Now, if you think about that, there's much of life that's that way, that God has saved us, he's saving us, and will save us, and all those kind of things. But you have to understand, that is the language of the kingdom. The kingdom has already, but not yet, and so it's begun, but it's not fully consummated. That's what we talked about, the age to come. Then when Tim talked about it, he talked about this is what it happens. This is what we're longing and looking forward to. Right now, though, the kingdom's not fully realized, but here's the thing. The kingdom is still here, and we live, in this pe- we live as citizens of the kingdom in this present age, and what do we pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do we do when we pray for people and we bring peace and joy and love and power? And all it's the kingdom breaking through, right? And so we live as citizens of the kingdom, and we, but we are at this place of tension where we live in a place that is here but not yet. Probably one of the best illustrations that we've used a lot is for you old folks or history buffs. It used to be just common knowledge. Now it's, I've gotten so old, I've got to remind. There was a World War II, you guys know. There was something before Vietnam. All right, so the D-Day, June 6th, was the decided place that the war was decided. At that point is Victory Day. It was, it was, the, it was the day, D-Day was when the enemy... And all of us and our allies knew that Germany knew that their time was done. That it was decided, right? And so the enemy was defeated. But victory in Europe, when all the fighting stopped and peace came, and everybody celebrated, that was 11 months later. And this 11 months where we were defighting a defeated, we were actually up against a defeated enemy, but we were still experiencing, and within those 11 months of waiting, we were still engaging the enemy, but knowing that the victory was assured. And in that 11 months, it was some of the most vicious uh, fights and battles there were, fighting an enemy who was defeated. Now, we are in that spot. <laughs> we have had Christ come. It is finished. We have been given the kingdom. We are the kingdom of the Lord. But we are now living in a world that is still at a spot we are fighting a defeated enemy. And, and our goal is, during this period of time, is to bring more people into the mercy and love of God so they can experience what we've experienced. And so this delay is for the place of bringing people into the place of connecting to Jesus, but we're in that tension. Now, so the question would be, like, so how, just practically, how do we live in this present age with being a citizen of the kingdom? And I think that's why I want to look at Peter, what he says. This is who we are as followers of Jesus. 
we're citizens of the kingdom. And here's what that looks like for what we do and what our purpose here is on earth. We are his chosen people. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And we declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into this wonderful light. Now, we are priests. You might put, I've always said, put that on your car. You're, you can if you want. Probably not. But you are a priesthood of believers. And so, and we're priests because we have been brought in. <laughs> and we're connected to God through Jesus. His mercy, we've experienced it. We're no longer under the rule and reign of this world. We actually don't, we've been freed from that. And yet, we have the Holy Spirit. What do priests do? When the main thing priests do is they worship. And we've experienced God's grace and mercy, and we worship. And we, you know, priests worship. Jesus just always was worshiping his Father. He was always glorifying his Father. Everything he wanted to glorify the Father. Everything he did. There's something about that in this place that when we worship the Father, we, we, we are able to actually, it just brings the kingdom. The kingdom expands. You know, uh, the other thing a priest does is a priest is a mediator. In other words, we, our lives, connect people to Jesus. That's what we do. We have those people in this waiting that, that don't know Jesus, we are allowing them to see Jesus through us. And because we've experienced his mercy and we want them to experience his mercy, those who don't know him. Now you can see how these two actually work together. Like have you noticed this about like when you gather in a smaller group and focus on Jesus? Have you noticed how much starts taking place by just doing that? It would be a Bible study, a Sunday morning. It just like opens the, the, the ability to hear and feel and sense God. The kingdom of God can come in those places as we worship. And then as we learn to be able to be able to bring God to one another in that process, right? To your coworker, to your person sitting by you at school, you know, God wants us, we talked about this, he wants us to demonstrate the kingdom by telling the goodness of God and showing the goodness of God and doing it in a way that, wow, this is beyond me. This is something only God, and that's what testifies of God. Like, ah, I don't think David could have done that. <laughs> I know David, right? But God comes through me, right? And God comes through you. Now, how about this? You are a holy nation. You like that one? Put that on your car. All right, so you are holy. Now, real important here. Typically, people's definition in America of holy is they just they add the extra phrase on it, holier than thou. You know, it's just it's a bad thing. Like, oh, you're so holy. You're so you know. And so we, but yesterday, holy is a really good thing. And the definition is talking about holy. It's it's talking about this place of dedicated and consecrated or set apart for God's living purpose. Right. That's what we are. We're set apart for God's living purpose. And it's not self-righteousness. It's God's righteousness. And we, people see that right away. God's holiness comes into the place that we are dedicated and his holiness comes through us. And, it, and the thing about it is, it's, it's not holiness. If you find Christians who, who you have a tendency to saying holier than thou, typically what they're doing is they're defining themselves against others. 
and raising themselves as holy. That is not holiness. That's the absolute opposite of holiness. Holiness is this place where we're distinctly different from those who are under the rule of this world. We're set apart in a way that is beautiful and attractive and odd, but we are distinct and we look very different than the world that we live in. You know, uh, here's, here's, the, here's the thing right now, I would say to you guys, but if, in, if the whole church was listening, I'd say it to them too, but as if they would listen. Especially in America. If we want to be relevant, we better be set apart. We better look distinctly different than the world. If you hear the word relevant, and you think, we need to be cooler. David, you need to wear some cool sneakers and quit wearing those ugly sandals, and we need to get better coffee, and we need to be more, have better worship that's more... You know, that's, now, I'm not, don't, I'm not disking that. I'm saying that it's really good to be sensitive to culture, to make sure you're not doing things that aren't, relative, you know, to, you know, that aren't rele- relevant to culture. But I mean, here's a good way of describing why we need to be relevant. We need to be showing them something that they can't understand and because we have, we've experienced it and we want to give it to them. I am cheap. Anybody know that? Who knows that about me? Oh, good. We have some new people. Uh, I'm cheap, and so I... Yeah, frugal. That's right. I'm stewarder. I'm a great steward of Jesus' money. Uh, I'm cheap. And so I don't want to pay for things, so I think I need YouTube. YouTube is the most amazing thing. You can be terribly idiot on anything, and you just watch it, and there's a YouTube video. But you've got to find the YouTube video. And finding YouTube video is very hard. So I need to replace my right lower beam headlight in my granddaughter's 2006 CRV. So I start looking for that. And there's some of them that are really good looking. Funny music, graphics, but they aren't relevant. They don't hit what I want. But then I find this one person who has a 2006 and just sits there with his shaky camera and shows me how to do that. And I think, ah, that's what I needed because it was relevant. Now, as a church, as a follower of Jesus, if we want to be relevant in that way, to find what people deeply need in their souls, we have to be a people that looks distinctly different than the world and even misunderstood sometimes because of it. Now, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, we need to look like foreigners and exiles, abstain from sinful desire which which wage against your soul and live such good lives among the pagans, those are just people who don't know Jesus, that they they accuse you of doing wrong, they may, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. What day? The age to come. The consummation of the kingdom. They will be like part of us. They will be citizens celebrating that with us. All right? And we're living, but we're living in this tension 
of having two kingdoms and living between two ages. And we are going to find places that life doesn't go well. That we're going to find that in this world we will have trouble. But don't worry, I've overcome the world. So what does that mean? How do we live between two ages? This, how do we go to this place of the here but not yet? You've heard me read this verse a lot. It's a, it's a life kind of verse for me. But Paul puts it this way. Paul, who's experienced lots of trouble and lots of the kingdom coming through him, he says this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. You guys want that? That's what I want. You, when God's kingdom breaks through and his mighty power comes and frees my wife of terror dreams or whatever it is or causes his presence to break into the place of my anxiety and my peace and his presence comes or when I speak to someone and they come to understand Jesus and all those kind of things, I want to see and experience his mighty power. I want to see his kingdom coming. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or the other, another I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. You know, we, uh, we live between these two ages and in this we will experience both things. And we should be motivated in this place of knowing what's coming. And, that, and every not yet moments of our life, we should be going, it won't always be this way. But here's the thing about it is, is the kingdom of God is available to us in all situations. And what Paul is saying here is saying, I want, I want you to understand that I want to experience Jesus. When you experience the kingdom of God, you're experiencing the presence and knowing Jesus. And that's what I'm after. And I want the power of God to come, and I also want, in some versions say, I want a fellowship in his suffering. Um, have you ever noticed how Paul says these kind of things where, uh, like, I've learned to be content, I've learned the secret of being content in all circumstances, whether I have want or what, I, I'm, I'm doing well. Or he says these crazy things like, everything give thanks. I consider it all joy when he, I mean, where is he coming up with this kind of idea when you're talking about pain? And here's the thing that it, it, it took me quite a while to understand when I was in the not yets of life, when things did not happen. But Jesus will be with us in those places. His presence and his comfort, and he will come alongside you in the most painful moments you have. And you will know him in ways that you will honestly, you will be able to, you won't be able to say at the time. Later you'll be able to say, I'm glad I, I, I wouldn't give that up. <laughs> and we have to realize this is just the gospel. This is what we see in Jesus. He's modeling for us both these things. Now, I just know that in this room like this is some of you are in times of blessing, some of you are in seasons of suffering. Some of you are. And all difference in between that, right? And it's because we're, and we experience this because we're between two ages. 
and we're in a kingdom that's not our, our home. And just to know that allows us to operate differently. Because we know it won't always last. It won't last forever. That's good to know. Sometimes I go, well, at least it won't last forever. That's, but I'm not saying that in a, in a trite way. I actually know it won't last forever because I know that if the enemy it has been defeated and the, the war is decided and that's coming. And I can long for that and pray for that. But while I'm here, I'm here for a particular purpose. I'm here to be a citizen of the kingdom and to bring the kingdom to other people. And so... And in that spot, that's not just in, it is in praying and seeing supernatural things happen through me and, and, and us and all those things, but it's also in a place of experiencing God in the pain of life and even bringing the presence of God to those who are in pain. So, here's your invitation. The worship you can come on up. It's just... Invite Jesus' kingdom and power and presence into whatever circumstance you're in right now. You know, I can't, have you heard that feeling when you're going through something and you think, I guess I've got to get through this and I get back to God later? Like, he's not, he certainly must not be in this. No, he's in this. And he cares deeply for you. He's a, you know, I love the verse where Jesus says, he goes, um, he goes, oh, my little flock, I, I love that because it puts us in the right place. Like, oh, my little flock, I long to give you the kingdom. And that's just so personal because it's like, oh, my little flock. In other words, I long to come in and do for things for you that no one else can. I want to be your shepherd.